Wings for the game. Boom. Cash back. New lucky jersey. Boom. Cash back. Even a last-minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide, the athletic, dedicated Blue Jackets podcast here in Portsmouth with you on a Friday high noon in the capital city. It's rainy. It's cool. Does not feel like December. Feels like e September, maybe uh, maybe November. Um, lots to get to with the Blue Jackets. Some news, of course. Yesterday was kind of a surprising news day. Uh, we'll get to the fresher stuff first. Cole Sillinger is day to day. Will not play tonight. Upper body injury. Um, suffered in Wednesday's loss to Montreal. Sense I'm getting is that the club thought this was going to be worse than it was. So, uh, Stillinger being day to day is, uh, in, in that respect, good news. Uh, no clue what the injury is. I don't know if it, if it's, uh, I just know that it's above the belt. Uh, Kent Johnson is back from AHL Cleveland where he tore it up 15 points in 10 games. Uh, played mostly center, played eight games on the, uh, in the middle in Cleveland after starting there for two games on the wing. But he is back on the wing tonight, and he goes from the AHL uh, right into the top line. It will be Gaudreau, Jenner, and Johnson tonight against the Ottawa Senators. Uh, a couple other lineup changes, maybe three other lineup changes. Dmitry Voronkov, who, of course, has really opened a lot of eyes on the wing early in his NHL career. Is going to play center ice tonight. Um, interesting. He's on a line with Chinikov and Marchenko, an all-Russian line. No language barrier there. Uh, we'll see if Voronkov can keep up in the middle. He's been uh, kind of a revelation on the on the wing. And really, if you want to, if you want to draw distinct lines, I think you could say that Voronkov's emergence on the wing is what pushed Kent Johnson uh, to the minor leagues. Um, where does that leave Patrick Line, who has really struggled? Is if you've just even watched in a recreational in and out kind of way, you've noticed how much Line has struggled just gathering the puck on his stick, just doing the things he normally does with such ease. He has been dropped to the third line uh, on the left wing. It'll be centered by uh, rookie Adam Fantilli and right winger Justin Danforth. And then a change on the fourth line, Eric Robinson is out. Uh, Texier slides back to a fourth line role. I, I don't think Texier has been really that noticeable in, at least in a positive way over the last few games. You know what they do with Texier whenever he struggles is they put him on a line with Sean Corrali. Uh, so maybe Corrali can get him going again. Texier, Corrali, and Matthew Olivier steps back into the lineup after a few games in the press box. Um, so, yeah, 
We also have uh, Eunice Corpusalo in town tonight. Uh, this could be kind of a heartbreaker. You're going to have Corpusalo against uh, Elvis Merzlikens. I know a lot of people think the Blue Jackets traded the wrong goalie last year at the trade deadline. Of course, it's easier to trade a goalie with an expiring contract, as Corpusalo was before he was traded to the, the Kings, than it is to trade a guy who's really, really struggling in the first year of a huge contract. Good news, of course, is that Wierenski, or sorry, uh, Merzlikens has played better uh, this year uh, so far. Not good enough, maybe, but much, much better. And you feel like he's continuing to improve, at least I do. Uh, we can talk about any of these things. We can talk about all of these things. Um, I also want to get your thoughts on this. I feel like as this season, at this point, we're 24 games in. It's not noticeably better record-wise than it was last year, when at this point last year we'd already turned the focus to Bedard, Fantilli, and this Carlson kid. Um, you remember how hopeless it was already last season. I don't feel like the hope is gone this year. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm Johnny Happy here. I, I don't think so. I feel like the health of this team and the hope of this team is um, is more vibrant this year. I think some of the young players who were, I think you've seen Marchenko take a big step forward. I think Voronkov is here now, and you can see that they've got a player. Now, Johnson's backpedaled a bit by the, the club's moves um, being sent to the American Hockey League. But he is here. We'll see how he plays tonight. Um, yeah, I, I, Juracek is here. The goalie looks like maybe the goalie can be salvaged. Merzlikens again. Um, so I feel like there's hope still left in the season. And I don't know what I mean by hope. I'm not saying a playoff run here, although I do think there's going to be a point at some point this season where the Blue Jackets are playing really, really well, uh, putting some wins together, looking like they're starting to figure it out. Um, so I guess, you know, hope is a relative uh, word at this point. I, I, I don't see this team making the playoffs. I think the East is too tough. I felt that from the start of the season. I just mean a team that can still be battling uh and, and maybe maybe open some eyes with their play in the second half of the season um i'm curious to get your thoughts on that you can step to the stage and ask a question or you can uh enter it into the chat field we'll try to get to as many as we can it's 1206 right now we'll go to about one o'clock um we'll start in the chat room dale b says what can we infer about Wierenski's comments about older guys and veterans being the ones giving up late goals. He didn't seem to be referring to himself. Locker room troubles? No, no I, don't, I don't think locker room troubles at all. Um, and I do think he was referring to himself. I think he was putting himself in the group of veteran players who have not played as well as they would have wanted to play early in the season. Uh, I think Wierenski's come on here. I think he's been, been noticeably better the last, a couple of games. And one thing we should we should take note of, we have we've seen this this before where a player comes back from the surgery that Wierenski had. It was Gus Nyquist. Do you remember how long it took Gus to get going the year after he had shoulder surgery? Um it took him quite a while. I remember him talking openly about how difficult it was. I think there's first the trust part. Can I get hit again? Can I play in traffic? 
then there's just the feel of it. There's the the feel of the puck on your stick, and then there's the the reading things that are going so much faster than you remember them from the last time you played. Because when you step out of that that world where those those quick responses are demanded of you every night, it gets it's it's really hard. it's like if you've ever had a prolonged illness and have not driven it this is the best that most of us who don't play professional hockey for a living i think can get used to when you get back behind the wheel if it's been a few weeks a month or so when you've been out of commission for whatever reason it looks like the world is going so damn fast and just out of control and it doesn't take long for to settle down to for your mind to process things as quickly as you do but it is different um so i think Renske was just being honest that that he's among the veterans in the room that can play better. Obviously, there's some poster kids for this. There's Gaudreau. There's Line. I mean, I put a thing up on Twitter yesterday about those guys are both under a half a point per game. And in Gaudreau's case, that's more than half of his, his uh, career production coming into the season. In Line's case, it's close to half. Uh, in, in both cases, it's way below what you've come to expect from them. I do think Gaudreau has been better. I don't think line a has, I think he's as, as frustrated. And as, uh, as Pascal Vincent said, just really lacking confidence, fighting the puck. Um, even in the goalie score the other night, the four on four, the puck whiffed off the stick and kind of fooled the goalie and went bounced into the net off the goalie's pad. It wasn't the shot that, that, uh, lining intended. So, um, yeah, I I, don't, I think Wierenski was was speaking. You know, it's an honest question. This team doesn't know how to win yet. That sounds like you're saying it's just too young. We had guys haven't been through it yet, and it's it doesn't really hit the mark here because it's the younger players who've been the better players here, and the older guys that have struggled. Uh, Christopher B says, "Have you heard any frustration from the players as to the line combo blender? A little bit from line A. Eh? Um, his is more." been about ice time, uh, lack of ice time. It's one of those chicken and eggs. Um, the coach is saying, play better, you'll get more ice time. The player is saying, give me more ice time, I'll play better. Um, I think I think Pascal Vincent's reached the point in the season where he, he can't just keep rolling guys out there if the play is so subpar. Um, so we'll see where that goes with, with Line and can he kind of get back on top of his his uh his game again. Uh we'll go to the queue here in a second. We've got Paul B and Nick W standing by. One more from the chat room. Hi Porty, thanks again. I watched the Carolina game. Do you think their prevent defense in the third period was a coaching decision or was it a player issue? Well it's not a coaching decision to spend the whole third period in your zone. Um I think one of the perils of this system that they're playing with the keep everything out of the middle. Um there are times where if it if you if you tend to get away from it it the result is a sag and a relent um i think they were much better in the in the uh, boston game uh although i one thing that was noticeable in that boston game to me is that the bruins just did not make a push i was surprised by that i, I think the blue i don't say i wouldn't say they got away with it cuz they they won and they won pretty clearly um but i i they weren't tested in that third period because boston really did not have a push for them 
which is a little surprising. And I suspect it'll be different Sunday in Boston. I think Boston will be ready for that game, but we'll see. I don't know what's going on in that in that room. Um, yeah, and I think they were. I don't, they didn't win certainly Wednesday against Montreal, and Montreal is not anywhere near the team that Carolina is or Boston for that matter. But I didn't see uh, in the third period. Maybe I should think about this a little bit more, but I think there was some give and take in that third period. There was certainly some long shift in the Blue Jackets zone. Uh, there was one I remember that was over 90 seconds long, like 92 seconds long, which is an eternity. Um, but I think Columbus also sustained in the Montreal zone. They didn't cash in. They didn't score. Um, but it wasn't just in complete uh, retreat mode. Um, so there you go. We're going to go to Paul B., and then we'll go to Nick W. Paul B., you are on front nationwide. Go ahead, please. Hey, Porty, how's it going? Good, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So I think as fans, we're kind of conditioned to assume an athlete whenever in their representative sport is going to try their hardest every time they're playing in the game. Absolutely. And I think that's definitely true for some guys, but certainly not for other guys. And I'm wondering, I'm trying to figure out what camp Line is in right now because, you know, based on his play and, you know, recent comments and interviews, I I don't know. I feel like there's a guy that's not really playing with urgency because, I mean, at the end of the day, whether he has 10 points this year or 100 points this year, he's still going to make his, you know, $8.7 million. He's going to make his full salary and he's got a guaranteed contract for next year. So I don't know. I'm not... I don't know. I, I feel like there's part of part of him that might be mailing it in, and I don't want to think that. <laughs> but yeah, I can't get around some of the comments he's been making. Like, you know, I'm I'm not here to cry about it, but this is this is what's going on. Yeah, what you, so, what's your sense of this? Well, I would say to this, I don't want to I don't want to cut him too much slack because at the end of the day, he's not producing, and that that is the job. Especially as you mentioned, eight point seven. The, the job is to produce. So. Um, and I, so this isn't a, a, a pity party and, and he is not asked it to be one. I see a player that is just really, really frustrated. Um, and I think that I, if you may have noticed the play against Montreal where a puck gets through him and there's a momentary, which in hockey is, is enough time for real damage to, to be incurred. There's a momentary slumping of the shoulders and almost cursing your luck before he then takes off down the ice. And um, Merzlikens bailed him out. I think it turned into a two-on-one. And I'm not sure it's not a two-on-one if he starts skating immediately, but it certainly gave Montreal more space and time. I didn't like that play, but even that play I don't think was the the case of a guy not caring. Um, I think he's just super, super frustrated. And when he gets frustrated... Um, I, I don't pretend to know him personally. Several dealings with him, though, have revealed that it's pretty clear. When he gets frustrated, he internalizes everything. And I don't think he knows how to get out of it. I think he's been through this in in previous times, um, several in Columbus even. And at some point, uh, you hope, he comes out of it. But I, I just see a guy that, and Vincent said as much yesterday, just incredible lack of confidence. Um, that it, and that's what's that's what's affecting everything. It, I hope it's not a mental block. Um, so, you know, where you see 
catchers that can't throw the ball back to the mound. I hope it doesn't eat him up to that extent. Uh, but he's having trouble just gathering um, simple passes, just just popping off his uh, off his stick, and it's it's crazy. But it's been going on for a little while too. Um, so you hope he digs himself out of it and does so soon because the season's moving along here. Wings for the game, boom, cash back. New lucky jersey, boom. Cash back. Even a last minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Uh, Nick W., you are next on the Front and Nationwide podcast. Nick, go ahead, please. Hi, Aaron. I uh, appreciate the time and following no you for a long time, but... Really, really appreciate all the work you do. Um, a couple of just quick questions here. So you mentioned uh, the season feeling a bit different than last and that there's perhaps more hope in the locker room than there has been, or there was last year. Um, I, I, I feel like I, I can see that they're not losing games by the huge margins they, they were last year early in the season. I felt like once a week I'd turn the TV on and see they were down seven to one and yeah, right. uh, and, and and turn it off and, and move on with my day. Um, it's it's frustrating, uh, but but promising. But then I see something like Shinikov's agent coming out and saying he wants out, um, and and Voronkov having mixed feelings about what he's up to and being a bit wishy washy there. Well, what's driving that? What is the real feeling in the room, especially with those young guys who we care quite a bit about in terms of yeah. morale and sticking around? Yep. Yeah. What's your take there? Well, so I would separate the two. Um, for me, Voronkov, it's been made pretty clear that that is, a, that is purely a case of homesickness. And I, I, I mean, I, I went away to camp. I felt that when I was a little kid. Others have a real issue with it when they go away to college. It's not, you know, you don't just get out of it. And it, it, 
it's a weird thing because it may not, it doesn't necessarily mean that you don't like where you're at or the people around you. You just, you're out of your comfort zone. And some people have a much bigger struggle with that. I, we all know, uh, at a certain age, many, many, many kids who go off to college super excited and spend the entire first semester, uh, bawling and begging their parents to come pick them up. Uh, it's rough. It's rough. And, and they're excited to be at college. It's not that. And I think Voronkov, I don't think he would be playing as well as he was playing if he didn't find some joy in the games. And I think he likes the guys around him. I think maybe there was an assumption made that things were just going to work out okay with if you plug him in a room with three other Russians. But you know, Provorov is married. Marchenko is married. So these guys, they can spend time with him away from the rink, of course, but it can't be every day. It's not going to be every day. They have their own lives to live, too. So that's a lot of hours away from the rink in a foreign land where nothing makes sense. If it Just look at it. Translate something into Russian and tell me how well you would do in St. Petersburg. It is a different world. The food is different. Everything is different. I think some people, I know some people who don't like to travel abroad because they feel um, they get embarrassed or they get frustrated when they have to ask for help and humble themselves in a land where they don't speak the language or they aren't familiar with the way things work. Um, for other people, it's not a problem at all. I don't pretend to know how Dmitry Voronkov is wired in that respect, but all you have to do is get embarrassed or uh, flustered and frustrated a few times before some people are ready to give up on it. I think that's where Voronkov is. I think there's a better understanding of a situation now among his teammates. Um, and I, he is vowed to, to try to make this work. His family, his friends back home have pushed him in that direction to just stick it out and get over the initial hump. Things will get more familiar to you. Um, Jarmo Kekalainen went off to college at, at Clarkson uh, from Finland and just could not wait to get home after that first year. It was gone like hours after the first year was over on a plane back to Finland. Couldn't wait to get home. Now, obviously, he likes being in America. It's where he's lived most of his adult life. Um, it, it affects a lot of people. Uh, Chinikov's thing is a totally different thing for me. I don't put a ton of, I just don't think he has the currency yet. Um, to make a meaningful plea to get a, a bigger role. Lately, he has played better. He scored in the last two games, I will grant you. When that talk first surfaced, it was, well, kid, like you have one goal. You missed most of this season, much of last season. Your best case uh, for more playing time is playing time. Like, deliver. Um, that seemed way almost hilariously out of bounds for a player in his position uh, to say that he wasn't getting the opportunity here that he so richly deserved. He's in the top six now, but I'll ask you a week ago, who would you have taken out of the top six to put Chinikov in? I don't think anybody has an easy answer for you. Um, he just hasn't deserved it. He's played better of late. Uh, keep this up, kid. Keep, keep scoring. Keep being dangerous. There were games you didn't notice him. Didn't notice him, and that that can't be that that can't be 
uh, you know, an, an argument to, to get promoted or to play more minutes. I mean, that's just, that's absurd. Uh, you'll hear it when it's, you know, a veteran player who loses his spot in the, in the top six and, and gets reduced. Okay. Sure. I mean, you I guess you could see it when, if, if, uh, if you're a veteran player who's been playing well and you somehow lose your spot, then yeah, okay. I think you have to earn your spot before you argue that you deserve a bigger one. Uh, we'll go back to the chat room here. Uh, Marcus M says, what impact does losing trust in your goalie have on players' ability to play the transition out of your zone as aggressively as you might like to? Um... I'm trying to make sure I, I know what, what, yeah. So you're saying how comfortable are players leaving the zone ahead of the play? And do they feel they need to stick back because of Elvis? Um, you know what? I honestly, I've not seen that. And I, I do think that Elvis, I mean, he hasn't been, he's, he's not in the Vezina talk. Don't get me wrong. He's been much better this season in terms of making the expected saves. Like there are so many more times, there's so many times in every game now where I see a shot on goal and the puck hits him and he's not making a jump save. He's not diving. He's just where he needs to be. Um, he's a much quieter goalie. I don't think he's quiet enough. I was talking to a goaltending coach uh, this week about him and he said, you know, he's still, he's still getting beyond the posts a bit for me. He's still at, at times when it gets hairy is relying on his athletic ability rather than uh, trusting in his positioning. But I think he's come a, a long, long way in that regard. I mean, to go from 876 to nine, what is he, the early 900s, he's, you know, 0. 0.3, 0. 0.030 better than he was last year. That's not a small climb for a goalie. I still think he's getting better. I still think he's gaining more confidence. I think this is a really good sign. Hey, listen, if we get through this season and this team is 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 uh, out of the playoffs, which I, I think most most suspect they will be, but you've got a player in Marchenko, you've got a player in Voronkov, Chinikov continues to develop. Your check looks like a top four guy. I'm not saying any of these guys are there yet. I'm saying if the growth continues, Johnson looks like he's back to to being stuck in the in the NHL. Cole Sillinger, I'm not sure if he's going to score much, but he, he looks like he can be an effective third-line center. If all of these things come to, to, to the surface and you look like you've got your goalie back in Merzlikens, I think it's been a pretty good year. And I know a lot of teams, a lot of people probably don't want to hear that because you're thinking with the two new D, with, with Gaudreau and and line A, it's playoffs or bust. And but a team doesn't go from fifty nine years, fifty nine points one year, to the playoffs the next. Um. So I, I think you've got to get back into the into the realm of like consistently competitive. And I know everybody wants to make the playoffs, and I don't. I don't blame you. We're, I don't say this. It's easy for me to say this. I don't pay for tickets. All right. Um. I, I have a press pass. That, that, immediately puts me in a much different situation for someone who's been fronting this operation for 23 years. I get it. But to go from where they were last year to be a team that is 
competitive most nights. Think they're off to a pretty good start in that respect. I, of course, they can play better. I think they will. Um, if they're fighting with people at the end of the season and trading blows and it's starting to look like a increasingly more competent, dangerous team, I think you can mark this season as a suspect and have some optimism going into next. Uh, any good rumors? This is from George M. Any good rumors on the trade front? Edmonton? Uh, George, of course, is, is, is uh, suggesting McDavid for peak. I think the Oilers might have to throw a little something in there to get peak out of Columbus. Uh, LOL. Um, so, yeah, so as you have probably read, the Edmonton Oilers had three scouts, including, or not scouts, three staffers, including their goaltending coach, uh, in Columbus for the last two games. What does that mean? Are they looking at Merzlikens? Or are they looking at uh, Spencer Martin? Uh, my hunch is they're looking at neither of them. I think they were here for Buffalo. They saw Olmark. Um, they saw both goalies for Boston, as you may have noted. And they also saw um, on uh, Wednesday, Montembeau. Now, Montreal's carried three goalies all year. They'd like to move one. Uh, Boston has two really good goalies. They love Jeremy Swayman. Linus Allmark was fantastic last year. Is one of them available? Because Swayman probably needs a bigger role. He looks like the starter. Um, I think that's what Edmonton was looking at, not Columbus. I mean, really, do you suspect if you're Edmonton, does the Merzlikens for Campbell trade make any sense? No, it doesn't. Um, it, it doesn't make any sense in the Blue Jackets end either. Uh, especially now that Elvis is sort of playing a little bit better. I, I don't, I don't think he's to the point where any team says bona fide NHL playoff goalie right there, go get him. It's not there. And I don't know that he can be there for another team. I think Columbus pretty much has to figure that out on their own. Um, but I think Edmonton was looking at Boston and, and uh, Montreal. We'll see. And we'll see again, see if they're there again tonight. Um, Jonathan C. Let's, oh, hang on a second. I skipped over William E. Um, a lot of comments here, not questions on on uh, line A. None flattering. William E. says, with 10 and 44 doing so well, do we still need Olivier? Well, you still have him, William, and I, I don't think there's a trade market for him. I don't mind him being in and out of the lineup on certain nights. I love having a 10, uh, Veronkov, you're mentioning, in uh, among the forwards that are on scoring lines. That's a huge benefit. Um. That's a huge benefit, and so I, I, I like having I like having some muscle, and if Veronkov chooses to fight, great. If not, Olivier can. That's fine too. Um, I don't think you want Veronkov going off for a fourth line guy. Um, again, if it comes to that, okay, whatever. Five minutes, we can handle that. But um, I still think Olivier has a, a purpose on this team, and uh, I suggest they keep him wrong. Around uh, Jonathan C. We have weird wins: Rangers, Tampa Bay, and now Boston. I can't seem to beat other teams. Hey, you know what? The NHL is the NHL, man. I mean, a lot of it is uh, scheduling and matchups. For whatever reason, Boston. When Boston got to Columbus, they were in a bad way. I think after that Columbus game, they'd given up 17 goals in three games. So a lot of times it's when you catch a team. 
Uh, second game of the season. I'm sure the Rangers were figuring out life under La Violette, maybe sleeping on the Blue Jackets a little bit. I think it's also interesting when the Blue Jackets won in Minnesota uh, in early in mid October. That looks like a pretty good win, the road win. Don't take those for granted. But what's happened to Minnesota since is sort of rendered that win not that impressive. Um, Tampa Bay's had some really wild up and down nights this year. Um, but it, I, to me, this is one of the great things about about pro sports, and one of the things that's not great about college sports, especially football. There's just so many games in, in the college football season. Just look at the local team here, Ohio State. I mean, they had three games all season where you genuinely wondered what they were going to do. Notre Dame, Penn State, and Michigan. Many didn't even know, didn't even wonder about the Penn State game. The rest of the games are just completely uncompelling, not even competitive. It would be like if the Blue Jackets played um, the Youngstown Phantoms some nights. It's that lopsided. Uh, the NHL is not that way. It is uh, any team can get you, and and you know, like people say tonight, oh, this is a must win against Ottawa. Well, it's hockey. You can play really, really well and lose. What if what if Corpusalo is out of his mind tonight, and you outchance the Senators, you know, twenty eight to to nine? You can still lose that game. It's been done. Um, so that's one of the things that some people love about hockey. Some of the things that people uh, hate about hockey. Uh, Christopher B., you are next on the front and nationwide chat room here. Does Liney really believe playing first line minutes will get his groove back? You know what, Christopher? He has to. He has to. What's the alternative? Uh, thinking he doesn't deserve to play? That's how I look at that. I mean, to me, that's almost. That's almost proof of a mindset that that might be the way out of this. If you got to be pissed off at the coach or your forward coach for the minutes you're not playing, then that's what you got to. That's what it takes. Um, that's what I would say. Uh, Ed B says, "Who's next to come up from Cleveland?" Well, I mean, Blankenberg is played really, really well. He's going to need most likely an injury to get up here. Um, Fix Wolanski has been explosive down there. I think uh, the way things have sort of settled in here, it's going to take, you know, somebody, uh, it's going to take an opening here. I, uh, um, I'm going to try not to go on a rant here, but this is one of the questions I had about the Kent Johnson recall yesterday. Was this because Sillinger got hurt? And I, as dumb as the, that may sound, as obvious as that may sound on the surface, I kind of would have a problem with it if it were based on that because Kent Johnson was sent to Cleveland to get stronger. He wasn't, do you know what I'm saying? Like, the team says he was sent there to get his confidence back, and he says, um, I never, uh, I've never lost confidence. So he's there to get stronger. He's not going to get stronger in three weeks. Um, so you recall him yesterday. If that's just straight up for Sillinger, I kind of have a problem with that because it, it makes it, it makes it seem like you're recalling him for your needs, not the player's development needs. And that's kind of the problem I had with Johnson going down this year and spending all of last year here in Columbus. You know, if this is what's best for his development, 
then why was it best for his development to be here last year? Well, we had so many injuries last year. You know, that's your needs. That's not the player's need. You're supposed to be raising this player the best way you can raise him to make his NHL career be maxed out, not just filling a need with him at the NHL level. That's called rushing a guy. I don't think they did that because Johnson produced as he did. But then it then it doesn't make any sense to send him back this year. So to answer your question, Blankenberg's played really, really well. Uh, 3-8-11, plus 8 in 16 games. A couple of power play goals. I like Blankenberg on my team. That's I, I've... I've said that from the start. I like the energy he brings. I think he brings other people into the battle with him. I like that, especially on a third pair. Um, he's been really good uh, down there. Um, you know, you get, you, <laughs> so you guys don't want to hear it, but uh, Emil Bemstrom, nine goals in six games. I mean, that's a pretty good statement for a recall. But I think, I think we've all seen, the Blue Jackets included, how many chances Bemstrom has gotten. And how many times he has not grabbed it here. Um, so uh, next question from, from Tommy S. Uh, Tommy says, you think Yarmo still has a license to do big moves? Say he wants to trade some of the key pieces. Um, well, I, you know, all of these big moves go through ownership and certainly through John Davidson before they're pulled off, especially if it's adding money. That's not unusual. That's kind of how it works everywhere. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't think he would be in that chair if the, if the organization had decided that, that they weren't going to let him make any more moves. Now for me, you know, I do think that, that Yarmo, um, is being evaluated now, maybe more than he ever has in his tenure in Columbus. I do think if you're in that position, then a real question in the springtime is, you know, if you're going to make a move on your general manager, do you let them? handle the trade deadline a month before you you move along uh, and, and find somebody else. To me, that's an honest and fair question, one that ownership has to ponder. Uh, but I don't get the sense that that is being pondered at this point. If Yarmo has a big move that he can make, and I think there's a lot of people who would be interested in that, um, it would go through the normal chain of command, which would be John Davidson, of course, all of the other assistants. Where are we at on this? What do we think? And then before the trigger is pulled, especially if it's adding payroll, it goes to ownership. Um, so I, I don't think there's a, a reason that that uh, that trade can't be made by Yarmulke Kalinin right now. Uh, let me get a drink here. I'm not a professional broadcaster, people. No, I'm not in the running for Rimmer's job. Don't let the TV looks fool you. <clears throat> Uh, Chad E says, seeing Zadorov fetch just a 24-5th and a 26-3rd made me think there just might not be a market for a guy like Peak with his cap hit. Imagine Yarmo was still trying to shop him. So, Chad, it's interesting you say that. That was my first thought when the trade was announced last night. Um, I get the situation. It's cap space, and that is of huge value to Calgary. But Zadorov is a hell of a player. I, I really like the player. He's an impact player. And uh, you would think he would draw more than that. But this is this is life in the league right now with, with uh, cap space almost being the, the, uh, the premium part of that trade. 
Um, let's see what Zadorov. Yeah, he's making three seven five. That's an incredibly beneficial deal, uh, and that still is all you get is a fifth round pick next year and a third that you got to wait three years for. If that's the market for Zadorov on a expiring contract at three seven five, what is the market for peak um, with time left and not the players the door off is either let's not kid ourselves that's just a fact um yeah so that, that was my first thought too like boy that's the market eh like holy smokes i do like though the trades are starting to be consummated because that when one goes and a couple more follow then you're starting to you start to get some some maneuverability in the league um let's see here Peak is at 275, is that right? Peak is at 26. Nope, nope. 275, I was right. 275. And he has got this year and two more. So, yeah, you're, you need him to be a player if you're trading for him. Uh, Mitchell H says, How about that scumbag Hathaway's hit on Luke Hughes? I mean, hey. Welcome to the NHL, I guess. I, I like the response by the Devils. Um, yeah. Uh, Nick W. says, as Boakvist getting more ice time increased his trade value? You know what? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, certainly a team that might be interested in Boakvist would like to see that he's playing. That, that is, that's a big help. So you're not getting a guy that's got to be ramped up. I think he's played pretty well, and I kind of like him with Borensky. And every time they're broken up, I kind of wonder why it is broken up. Um, that duo plays with the puck a lot. When there's a lot of defending to do, it can be it can be rough at times. Um, Borensky's certainly bigger than Bokvist, but neither one of them are defending defensemen, as you'd say. But, um, yeah, I like Bokovic with Wierenski. I do. Um, they Maybe they found something. But um, Patrick D says, do you get any sense the team is tired of line A at this point? He's not being a leader. In fact, he brings down whoever he plays with. He complains when he's a healthy scratch. He insists he needs more playing time, yet he stinks when he plays. Now he complains about the limited minutes when he acknowledges himself that he stinks. Does he even realize that his actions and words contradict one another? Um, it is the contradiction. Certainly I'm not playing very well right now. I need to play more. And I don't think a lot of coaches will hear that. Um, they want one thing to happen before, <laughs> before the other, especially when you've got other guys going, but let's be honest, you're not keeping an $8.7 million guy in your third line and playing him 13 minutes a night uh, for long. Okay. Um, line A has more to give. Again, I'll, I'll leave it to you. I don't think he's, he's choosing not to give it. I don't, I think he's, I think it's in his heart to be playing much, much better right now. I think he's thoroughly frustrated. And honestly, I wrote this, I saw this, a different line A coming into this season. Um, I think he made a concerted effort to be a leader for, for Adam Fantilli. I think he really made an attempt to be a guy in the room that could have a voice and, and lead 
the crew. That's not something he ever did in Winnipeg, hadn't done it yet in Columbus. Um, but maybe he's reached an age where he felt that that, that was um, something that could happen. I don't think this is rooted in him not caring. I really, truly don't. I don't think this is rooted in him mailing it in for a paycheck. I do not. I think he's just thoroughly, thoroughly frustrated. And I think he's reached a point. I think he he gets himself into these situations where he he feels like nothing he tries can make a difference. Like it's only going to backfire on him. Um, that's not the actions of a leader, I'll grant you. Um, but I think that's his personality to to eat himself alive in these in these uh situations. Um, let's see. Mitchell H says, Porty, can you tell Voronkov via Marchenko that if he needs a friend, I'll show him around town. LOL. Um, yeah, cool, man. Um, it's a nice gesture. I gotta say, I like the signs from people. Uh that's reading the play. That's reading the play, fifth line, and it was it was uh impressive. Um, surround the man. Uh, hey, what about a Voronkov chant in the nationwide arena some night? That's not a bad thing. That that could really hit a point home. Uh, let him know he's loved. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'll uh, I'll I'll get right on that, Mitchell. Uh, Patrick D says Voronkov, Chinikov, Line A, Godreau, Jones, Panarin. Where are we going? Bob, PLD, Anderson, Johansson. The list goes on and on. Not only is this team horrible under Yarmo GD, but they alienate players. Okay, now, hold on. Uh, Voronkov is not alienated. Homestick is a different thing. Gaudreau is not alienated. Line A is not alienated. Not playing well. Neither one playing well. Gaudreau better than Line A, but not alienated. Um, and Jones and Panarin, I mean, Bob, um, can't say that about PLD, but Panarin, you know, he he did what is allowed to be done via the, the uh, CBA. He's a free agent. It's no different than what Gaudreau did to Calgary. Um, sucks if you're Calgary and it's Gaudreau. Sucks if you're Columbus and it's Panarin. But players have, have been leaving teams by free agency since the invention of the, the format. Um so I, I think you have to be careful. I, I get it. There's been some discord here. Absolutely. Um, and I'll answer your other question. You said, has, has ownership hired anyone as a player liaison to keep our players happy? Yeah, Aaron Johnson, um, former long-ago defenseman here, draft pick, was hired a few years ago uh, to be that guy. That's sort of the, uh, the maitre d', if you will, of the, of the dressing room. Um, now, that's not going to keep everybody happy all the time and wanting to play here. Um, but, you know, player movement is a reality and it's not always a reflection of the team that they're leaving. Uh, Brett S says, Porty, how long can CBJ wait for line A to arrive season after season before they seriously look at moving him? I mean, I think you can seriously look at moving him, but he's got to be playing well to do that. Um, and I'll say this. I, I think, I think the, We've said this before, and it sounds like a, a, a complete castigation of the player, and it's not necessarily. I think a team that is established with plenty of offensive firepower and could view um, Line A as a the extra piece, the gravy, the icing on the cake, 
I think that's a perfect fit for him rather than a team that is counting on him to be uh, the, the, the starch of everything that they do. That probably sounds unfair. Gaudreau might be the same way. Those guys need to be the extras, not the, the oomph. Um, I think any team that is interested in line A has to consider roster construction. That's obvious with an $8.7 million player. But I think it's also necessary by his style of play. It can be an unusual fit. He wants the puck. Um, sometimes he, he's not going to pass on shots. He's going to be the focal point of the offense when the, when his line is on the ice. And I'm not sure you can steer him away from that. If you're paying him eight and a half million bucks a year, it's a suggestion that you, you don't want to steer him away from that, but that's where they're at. Um, so I, I'm not saying there's not a market for line A. There may be eight, seven is hard to move right now, especially for a player that's getting scratched, benched, having the game that he had the other night. Um, We've got a person on the stage. Dan N is on stage. We'll get to Dan in just a minute. We'll do a couple more from the chat room. Uh, We've got 15 minutes to go here. I recall the players stating, this is from Marcus R. I recall the players stating that they didn't know their role under Brad Larson. Under Vincent, lines change every game. And players like Johnson are asked to play center in the AHL, then come back as a winger. Do you feel this idea of not having a consistent role, such as lines positions, has carried over from last season? And is that a danger, dangerous within the room? So I would um, remind you that while Larson was the coach last year, it was Pascal Minson that was in charge of the, the wingers, or the forwards, sorry. Um. And I think he is, I will say this in his defense. This is not a team with 12 veteran players, 12 established players, 12 forwards that you know, you know what their game is. This is a team. And we mentioned this before the season, suggesting that it could be a choppy start. It's been more than choppy, but that there's just so much volatility here, not just in the lines changing. That's been part of it for sure. But in, we don't know what these players are going to be. We don't know where they best fit. Voronkov came here. Certainly there was an idea of what he could do, but nobody could say they knew where he fit or if he fit or if he could play at this level. Um, I think you're starting to get a picture of what he can be. Now he's at the center tonight. So you're going to learn more things about him tonight. That could be good or, or not good. Maybe he's just, maybe he's a winger in the NHL. It's okay. Um, I think at some point, as the coach, you're trying to build lines based upon these players' identities. What does he bring to the equation? And for some of these young players, like Chinikov, perfect example. Do you have any clue what he brings to the equation? Now I know what he brings to the equation when he's playing well. He's a good skater, and he's got a really good shot, and he can be dangerous. But then you have those 10 or 12 games where he's neither of those things. And that's what young players so often do. Ken Johnson was a, at times, a brilliant playmaker as a rookie. The 16 goals surprised me. The 40 points did not. 
I think we have an idea of him as a playmaker. Are we going to see him on the at center at some point, or is he just going to stay to the wing? I think they're scared of his size in the NHL period, much less at center right now. Um, I think they've tried to bring Juracek along slowly. I said earlier in this podcast, if the Blue Jackets um, start to play at a consistently high level and are difficult to play with, that maybe this season should be viewed as a success. Within that, I think if you get some some idea of where these young players are are headed, what their game looks like, what they can handle, what their style of play, preferred style of play is, who they mesh with, it's a very uh, informational season that we're going through right now. You hope really good notes are being taken. Um to see where this goes. Now, Bokefist is getting a chance with Wierenski again. For a while, that was Severson. For a while, it was Peak. For a while, it was Good Branson. It has been all over the place. I will say, in Pascal Vincent's defense, when the play started to, to solidify with the game in New Jersey, with, let's see, where's the, the, well, the home win against Chicago, the game in New Jersey, Really, I didn't like the end, but the way that they played in Carolina, the home game against Boston, the lines didn't change much there. And those who were out of the lineup stayed out of the lineup. And the lines were given a chance to sort of take off. Now, in that Montreal game on Wednesday, uh, poor Pascal Vincent had two, his two top lines just weren't firing. He was rolling the third and the fourth line, which is (laughs) not ideal when you're tied or down in the third period. Um, So something's going to change there. I do think it's been a little more chaotic than you'd like it to be. But if this is all leading towards something uh, grander, information on these players, um, then I think it'll be worth it. And maybe this is just what this season is, this sort of choppy waters throughout. Um, We shall see. Uh, okay, one more in the chat room, then we'll go to the stage. Tom F. says, I was going to ask about Edmonton. It was beat to the punch, so let me comment that you sound good today. I hope that – oh, thanks, man. Thanks, Tom. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't um, – yeah, the health situation has not changed. It, it is what it is. But we're getting through, and I, I do appreciate the uh, distraction um, and the kind thoughts, Tom. Thank you. Uh, David L says not to disagree at all, AP, but line A isn't worth the salary he's getting if he is gravy, right? Well, it depends. Uh, he was gravy in Winnipeg when he scored 44 goals. There are a lot of teams that would pay that pay that for 44 goals. Um, yeah, if, and if he ever hits that number again, he'll get that money again. Because um, it's a rare man that can score 44 goals, 40 plus. He scored 40 in other seasons, I believe, in Winnipeg. Um, all right, let's go to Dan N. Dan, you are on stage. You're on front and nationwide. Go ahead, please. You there, Dan? Hello, Dan. Okay, we'll move on. If you have a comment or a, or a question, please step on up to the stage. We've got time. We've got seven minutes. Um if you step in now, maybe we can grab it. Uh, line A, if Line A, this is from Brett S. If Line A is supposed to be the scorer on this team and wants the puck and won't pass up shots, 
Why is he only averaging 2.3 shots per game? He was around 3.5 last season. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I don't think I'm suggesting that he's playing well. He has had trouble getting open. He's had trouble corralling the puck. He's had trouble shooting the puck. When Patrick Liney whiffs on a one-timer, as he did a few games ago, whiffs, yeah, you got problems. Um, yeah, he's, he is not, he's not playing well right now. Um, we can say that for sure. I hope I didn't give anyone the, a false impression. Last chance for Dan M. All right. Well, folks, uh, thanks so much for your time today. I do appreciate it. It's always good to be with you. You've listened to the Front and Nationwide podcast on The Athletic, and we'll get back to you again next week. Um, welcome to this number. Enjoy the game tonight, and we'll talk to you all very soon. Take care.